come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast from outer space. And we're back in the saddle once again, boys. It's a podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Adam Narlock in the house tonight. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. And tonight is uh, very near and dear to our hearts. It's episode 76, and we'll be covering... Saucers over Washington, D.C. Also known as the Washington National Sightings of 52. And we're not talking about old Bryce Harper over here tonight, boys. Yes, we are getting patriotic for 76, the recent holiday, July 4th. Hope you all had a good one. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. So, you know, patriotic, 76, July 4th. Um, what are you thinking? And I'm thinking, you know, we dive right into these White House sightings. Now, in nineteen in a 1965 survey by the one and only Jacques Vallée, this incident came in second as one of the most significant UFO sightings. And in an online poll conducted in 2006, this came in at number seven as the UFO case with the best evidence ever. Um, so as Rob said, we are getting into the Washington, D.C. UFO incident of 1952, commonly referred to as the Washington National Sightings or the Washington Flap. That's a great response name. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that Monica Lewinsky? Well, a, a flap is not only... Um, a whore? Uh, yeah, it's all. is that what you call a promiscuous woman? You call her a flap? Maybe flapper back in the day. <laughs> no, I think Isn't a flapper was just a woman with short hair, right? In like the twenties. We'll look into it. Okay. Well, a flap is also Don't take what, our word for it. A flap is also what <laughs> ufologists call a bunch of sightings. I see. I already learned something. This is good. Uh, and uh, also, this is you know uh, for all you federales out there, all you fucking feds. This is Project Blue Book case number one six six one. Is there a lot of feds watching? <laughs> hey man, <laughs> if they are, go back in your own files and look this thing up. Uh, now, for those of you that don't know, maybe you never heard of this. Uh, this case involves a series of UFO sightings over Washington D.C. that took place from July twelfth through July twenty ninth the year 1952 with the most publicized of these sightings taking place on the weekends of july 19th and 20th we're getting pretty close to that and july 26th and 27th now this case is important for a couple reasons okay and not just because it's a flap yes there's a couple reasons here um like many of the other cases we've covered um with this one we've got documentation number one we've got military involvement and substantial press coverage. Um, now, this is also extremely significant in the world of UFOs as a whole because of its effects on Project Blue Book. Now, Project Blue Book, we familiar, guys? Yes, we are. This is like the, in- the government's official investigations into UFOs. Uh, started as Project Sign, then Project Grudge, 
and by 1952, it was Project Blue Book, J. Allen Hynek. Uh, he was brought on to debunk them, and then he kind of flipped and was like, hey, we, we believe in these things. We think they're unexplainable. You familiar? This is our Men in Black, Mothman episode kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I believe we discussed it there. I believe we discussed it on Foo Fighters, and I believe we discussed it on our very first UFO episode with uh, Eisenhower signing the Treaty with the Greys. And yeah, Mm. even on our Greys episode. Fifty Shades of Grey. Check it out. So in relation to how it, you know, affected the UFO community and Project Blue Book, um, several Project Blue Book leaders have gone on record claiming that after this specific event... The focus of Blue Book changed from looking for a logical explanation or the truth, because why would the government ever want to do that, into outright debunking UFO claims at all costs, as we'll see. Now, have you guys ever heard of this one? Have you ever seen the clippings? Because there's some famous clippings from this one. I still have the clippings. Wasn't this in uh, Independence Day? Well, similar, but similar, yes, this very is similar. Before Independence Day, this is yes, this is many, many years before Will Smith. Now, <laughs> no, now, have you seen the picture there? This is a very famous picture of like all these UFOs over the uh, White House. I have seen it before, once. I have not. This is this is fascinating. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, and now have now. Oh, oh go ahead. I was just going to say, put this on the Instagram. Oh, absolutely. Now, so Rob, you saw this. Did you look into it, uh, do a little research, any any um, peaking of the curiosities? I looked into it a little bit, but not as much as I did for this uh, episode here. All I knew about is that it was a like major UFO sighting in D.C. in the okay, 50s. That's, okay. a, that's the extent of my knowledge. Okay. All right, so... I mean, let's get into it, you know? Let's set the scene. Um, So the year is 1952. The polio epidemic grips the nation, as a vaccine had not yet been released. Uh, Anne Frank published her diary. No, well, (laughs) Well, her diary was published. She didn't personally publish it, but Anne Frank's diary was published that year. Um, It was a DIY. Elizabeth... The second, the reptilian lizard, became the Queen of England. Mm. And the Big Bang Theory was first put forward, not the TV show, the actual (laughs) scientific theory. And the first Holiday Inn is open in Tennessee. And Chingy's great-grandfather was there. (laughs) And he was just chilling. (laughs) So now in terms of UFOs and sightings, so by this point, um, I mean, you guys are familiar with these, right? We've seen the Battle of Los Angeles. Um, We had the Kenneth Arnold sighting. You know, we covered that. Um, And the Roswell incident of 47. So I'm talking about the general public at this time. They were definitely aware of UFOs, although this stuff was kind of still fringe. You know, it's not like it is today. Not like it is today. I'm not sure I'm following. We didn't have Tom DeLonge going on fucking CNN <laughs> with a UFO documentary. It Dear was general. <laughs> you had to, you know, you had to actually search for this stuff. But it was there was sightings throughout the U.S. You know, I mean, there was there was Still is. there was definitely more sightings back then. But um, uh, in terms of media coverage, you sure about that? Absolutely. We had the Foo Fighters. We had all three incidents we just discussed. We had a, a ton of sightings. Look how many sightings there were in the past year. Look it up. 
I'm not saying there was more this year than in the last year. I'm just saying there was, so the general public was aware of UFOs. It was brand new. It was fresh back then, you know? It was the the craze. This was in the psyche. Now, now when it comes to UFO sightings here in the U.S., among UFO researchers, 47 is known as the first wave, and 1952 is known as the second wave. I mean, even pop culture at the time, uh, the day the earth stood still, this was in. This was a big hit movie in theaters the summer of 1952. Hell of a movie. Yeah, so, you know, Martians and specifically invasive ones were definitely in the psyche of the general public. I mean, even what was our last episode? What did we talk about? Orson Welles. And what year was that? I want to say 39, but I know I'm wrong. 38. So there you go. I mean, this stuff was definitely in the minds of the general public. Now, with Project Blue Book underway, the government has already officially started to look into this stuff, uh, you know, going back to 1948. So from 47 through 51, the U.S.'s Air Force investigations into UFOs logged 700 UFO reports. Mm. So that's an average of about 150 a year. You tracking? I'm tracking. Now, in July of 1952, there was an average of eight reports per day, uh, many of them coming from Air Force jet interceptor pilots sent in response to radar or visual sightings. Now, starting on the 22nd and lasting through the 29th, reports jumped to an average of 27 per day. By the end of July, almost 400 reports had been recorded. So there was more... UFO reports in July of 1952 alone than in any other previous entire year. Now, from the 2nd to the 13th, there's, there's you know, scattered sightings up and down the East Coast. Uh, most notably, I was reading one of the reports was, like, orange discs observed around uh, Nor- Norfolk, Hampton Roads area. Now, for those that don't know, this is about three hours south of D.C. Um, so, you know, these guys are... Pilots and guys on the ground are like, hey, what the hell? You know, I'm seeing these orange discs uh, flying in formation. They're zip zorping all around and they're fucking, you know. Zip zorping. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they're <laughs> technical fucking, term. And then they're disappearing at the blink of an eye. Um, so we know something's going on. Am I right? You might be. I mean, just in the sheer number of the reports, correct? It's a lot of reports. Now, do we think that's just a result of Day the Earth Stood still being in theaters? Mm. Mm, maybe. I mean, maybe that has something to do with it, right? People are more inclined to say, like, maybe if you saw a bird before you had even heard of what a UFO was and you, you couldn't tell it was a bird, you'd be like, oh, what the fuck is that? But then, you know, you see this movie that's or invasive Martians are planted in your brain and now you're thinking everything you see is a Martian, <laughs> right? That's true. Um, so that that could account for some, but I'm I'm saying that's not we're not discrediting all these folks that saw UFOs. Um, so something's going on, you know. Someone's coming to visit. Yeah, I mean, just in the sheer numbers, something's going on, and the types of reports received. Now, in these numbers are the sightings above Washington D.C. Uh, so much of this timeline I actually pulled from the Air Force Office of Special Investigations report, which is in the Blue Book case files. Also called OSI. Yes. Now, 
Things start really ramping up on about July 13th at about 4 a.m. Eastern when National Airlines plane en route to National Airport, now known as uh, Reagan International. So this plane is about 60 miles southwest of D.C. And pilots observe a blue-white ball of light hovering to the west. The object came up to 11,000 feet maintained a parallel course on the same level at the same speed until the aircraft pilot turned on all lights. The object then departed from the vicinity at an estimated 1,000 miles per hour. The crew said the weather was excellent for observation. The object took off, up, and away. No other aircraft was reported in the area at the time. Was it Superman? (laughs) Well... I'm thinking probably not. <laughs> up, up, and away. Wow. What are you thinking? I'm thinking maybe Lil Wayne. Up, up, and away. <laughs> now, so July 18th. It's too fast. So July 18th, 2 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Washington, D.C. A radio station chief engineer observed six to seven bright orange discs moving in a single file line. Each one veered sharply upward and then disappeared one after the other. Now, these ones are orange, and the last one was blue? Blue Blue-white? Yep, that is correct. Okay. Okay. So, July 19th, 11.40 p.m. Eastern. An air route traffic control at National Airport began picking up unidentified targets on radar. Now, radar operators start picking these things up, and they're thinking... What the hell, you know? Uh, I mean, at this time, these radar guys, so they're seeing the craft appear on the radar, and there's no other established flight, flight plans heading in that direction or any reported aircraft in the area. Uh, so these guys are like, what the fuck is going on here what now? What the hell's out there zip-zorping around? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's exactly what they said. Now, Frank, what the hell's out there zip-zorping around? I didn't see a flight path today. Now... <laughs> Uh, this this UFO fleet, as we'll call it, um, was said to be moving between 100 miles actually, per hour. It's uh, actually called a flap. <laughs> well, no, no, no. That's what you call a sighting. I'm talking about the pack of them on... The flap of them. No, there's a, there's a fleet, we'll, we'll call it. <laughs> I like flap better, though. Fleetwood Mac over here. But I'm saying that the term flap, it's you're, you're using it incorrectly. Am I? Rob, right, yeah. don't fuck with me already, okay? It's not a flap. It's a fleet. Fleet flap. We're calling this one a fleet. fleet. It's on fleet. Fleetwood flap. Fleetwood flap. So this UFO fleet. You think they're Knicks fans? That's why they're uh, orange and, orange and uh, blue. Yes, I'm sure the aliens are New York Knicks fans. Now this Yo, look what happened in Space Jam, dude. They went to a Knicks game. Yeah. Someone's got to be a fan of the Knicks. All right, let's save that for the theories, gentlemen. <laughs> let's save that for the theories. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So this UFO fleet was said to be moving between 100 miles per hour and over 7,000 miles per hour at times and would move in seemingly sporadic patterns not common for aircraft. This oh. is also known as zip-zorping. (laughs) 
<laughs> Can that oh, be the title shit. of this fucking episode? <laughs> Zip Zorpin over DC. <laughs> so Harry Barnes, this is a senior <laughs> air <laughs> <a> fake name. <laughs> That's not a, why? <laughs> why? Rob thinks every single name on these podcasts are fake. Dude, they probably are to protect the innocent. Every name. Okay, so you said that exact quote on our last episode. That's a fake name. Well, what was the name? Well, I wonder if you think this is fake. <laughs> so Harry Barnes is a senior air traffic controller at Washington National Airport, and he said... We knew immediately that a very strange situation existed. The movements were completely radical compared to those ordinary aircraft. So... Even the air traffic controllers could visually see the objects in the sky and confirmed they were actually there. Mm. So July 20th, 1 a.m. Eastern, uh, now we're in Herndon, Virginia, where Capital Airlines flight from National Airport called by the control tower to check on unidentified radar targets saw three objects and three more between there in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Now, those objects were described as falling stars without tails, which moved rapidly up, down, and horizontally, and also hovered. This, again, is also known as zipsorping. Now, Harry Barnes, again, is quoted as claiming... The pilot's subsequent description of the movement of the objects coincided with the position of our pips at all times while in our range. So a pip is basically a radar target. Mm. Similar to a flap. Yeah, and a zipsorp. We're learning a lot of terms on this one. <laughs> pips, flaps, and zipsorps. We're learning a lot of UFO terms. Now, so five minutes later, at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland, five witnesses visually observed three reddish-orange objects moving erratically, also known as zipsorping. Now, July 20th, 3 a.m. Eastern, Capital Airlines flight incoming to National Airport reported that an unidentified light followed his airliner from the vicinity of Herndon, Virginia to within about four miles west of the airport. This was also confirmed on ARTC radar. Now, July 20th, about 4.30 to 6.30 a.m. Eastern, additional unidentified targets are picked up on ARTC radar at National Airport. And July 20th, about mid-evening, Air Force radar operators at Andrews Air Force Base Weather Tower tracked 10 UFOs for 15 to 20 minutes. Objects approached the runway, scattered, made sharp turns, and reversals of direction. So it's like an alien sideshow. Pretty much. I mean, you know, again. Also known as Zipsorp. <laughs> that, could, that could also be a theory. Now, these, so the sightings of July 19th to 20th, um, the ones we just talked about, they obviously make headlines in the newspapers around the nation. Uh, now, one example from all the way over in Iowa, um, one of the headlines read, Saucer Capital. Now, by sheer coincidence, uh, U.S. Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruppelt 
Well, that's a fucking name right there. Yeah, now he was the supervisor of the Air Force's Project Blue Book, so he's in Washington at the time. Uh, however, he did not learn about the sightings until Tuesday the 22nd when he read the headlines of a Washington newspaper. Hmm. So this guy's kind of like Adam. Yeah, he doesn't really he know just... what the fuck's going on, doesn't know how to do his job. He probably failed out of college okay, three times. Okay, I didn't go to that fucking <laughs> extent. Jesus Christ. Um, so, so after talking with intelligence officers at the Pentagon about the sightings, Ruppelt spent several hours trying to obtain a staff car to investigate the sightings, but was refused as only generals and senior colonels could use staff cars they basically told him to go fuck himself. They said he could rent a cab with his own money if he wanted. <laughs> now, this is just to do his own job. So by this point, he's fucking pissed off. Um, now, he's leaving Washington anyways. But before he leaves, he did speak with an Air Force radar specialist, Captain Roy James, who felt that unusual weather conditions could have caused the unknown radar targets. So no big deal, you know, he thinks, okay, logical explanation. He gets out of there, back to Ohio, back back to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is where Project Blue Book was based out of. Now, after these sightings, the ships, the craft, the fleet, the flap, whatever you want to call them, seem to have disappeared off the radar, and um, they're not sighted until... It all started right back up again on the weekend of the 25th. So three days later. Well, it's actually, wouldn't that be five days later? They took a break from zip-swapping around. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So about five days later. I just felt like it was going to be a longer period of time when you said that they weren't seen again. Well, for less than a week. Now, (laughs) Now, this is when things start getting hectic. So July 26, 9.15 p.m. Eastern, uh, into the wee hours of the morning on July 27th, sharp, to Frank Sinatra. <laughs> sharp UFO targets appear on ARTC radar at National Airport. Civilian pilots report seeing glowing white objects on four different occasions, including a United Airlines pilot near Herndon, Virginia, and two CAA pilots over Maryland. A National Airlines pilot near Andrews Air Force Base at 17,000 feet saw a UFO flying directly over the airliner. Okay, I can't I can't get over this right now. And we might have discussed this on the Foo Fighter episode, but I remember being pretty drunk for that. Yes, probably what, one of our what? most drunk episodes. <laughs> yeah. Is there a significance to the different colors? Now... I am not sure, and and as far as this one goes, I cannot decipher that. I can neither confirm nor deny that there is a difference. I mean, maybe there is some weird alien difference, you mm. know? Like, maybe it's s- symbolic to them. But I do have a little... I, remind me when we get to the theories point. I, I, I think I got a little something I can throw in on that. Okay, okay. Uh, So July 26, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, ARTC radar at National Airport tracked a quote-unquote big target, a big guy, a big UFO on radar. Um, This was confirmed by Andrews Air Force Base radar. 
Now, about 20 minutes later, ARTC radar at National Airport tracked solid returns of four targets in a rough line and eight others scattered over the radar scope. Four minutes after that, Andrews Air Force Base, Maryland, uh, surveillance radar tracked 10 to 12 UFOs in the Washington, D.C. area. Washington National also observed 10 to 12 objects on their radar. Would that be the metropolitan area? I believe it would be. Now, a master sergeant at Andrews visually observed the objects, and he later said, These lights did not have the characteristics of shooting stars. There was no trails. They traveled faster than any shooting star I ever seen. Now, who the fuck is this guy, Jiminy Cricket? He sees a lot of shooting stars or what? Now, how many shooting stars have you seen in your time? Well, I don't keep a track of it. But, I mean, you've surely seen one. When you wish upon a star, am I right? Uh, yeah, now this guy... It makes no difference well, who you are. he's a master sergeant. He's out there in the fucking mud, in the shit, as they call it. Maybe he's seen quite, quite a lot of shooting stars. And maybe he's wished on all of them. Mm. Maybe he's like Eminem. <laughs> in what regard? Can we pretend that UFOs in the night skies are like shooting stars? Isn't that fucking Paramore? <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's either one. <laughs> I think that's like Paramore, dude. That's Haley Williams. Dude, he's on that song. No way. All right. Anyway, bet, that's bet. neither here nor there. That's a different episode. For Whole gallon day. of chocolate milk. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So July 26, 10, 15 p.m. Eastern. Now, from this time into the following morning, good, sharp targets of four to eight UFOs appeared on ARTC radar at National Airport. Mm. Um, so by 10.38 that same night, Air Force Command Post was notified of unidentified radar targets and two F-94 jet interceptors scrambled from Newcastle Air Force Base, Delaware, to investigate. Now, scrambled, this means they, like, sent them out. You familiar? In a hurry. Yeah. and they're, absorbing. Yeah. Now, they, <laughs> I don't believe these jets had the capability to zipsorp. I think that's look like strictly a characteristic of UFOs. These guys are pretty much going top gun. Um, what do they call it? Balls to the wall. <laughs> I think that's a technical term, yes. Inverted, pulling four Gs like Maverick and Goose. Are they dangerous? <laughs> You're right. They are. Um, so there's a picture of the... F-94s right there. So they send these puppies out. Now, July 27th, 12 a.m., Major Fournette, uh, this was the Project Blue Book officer in the Pentagon, and Lieutenant Holcomb, he was a Navy electronics expert, they arrive at National Airport ARTC Center to figure out what the hell is going on. They observe themselves seven good, solid targets. Holcomb checked the temperature inversions, but they were minor and could not explain what was going on. He advised Air Force Command Post requesting an interception mission. Um, So I guess, like, now do you read this as, they already scrambled the jets, now this guy's saying, hey, we need to actually, like, get a visual on these things? That's what it sounds like to me. Okay. So one of the F-94 pilots made visual contact and appeared to be gaining on target. Both the F-94 and UFO were observed on radar 
and appeared to be traveling at the same approximate speed. Now, I looked it up, and the max speed of these of these puppies is about 640 miles per hour, so I'm assuming they were probably somewhere around 500, you know, somewhere in the mid 500s. Because I mean, they're not going to be maxing these things out, right? They might. Trying to catch. I mean, are they built for speed or built for comfort? <laughs> okay, so they're on an interception mission, right? You're right. They're going to Rel Revis on these motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> so when the F-94 pilot tried to overtake the UFO, it disappeared visually on radar. The pilot remarked about the incredible speed of the object and its ability to zipsorb. Now, were these ones going seven thousand or one thousand? They were. Go- I just said they were going the same approximate speed as the craft. He's honestly asking. This and is I'm what the ra- <laughs> this is what the radar guy said, and I just gave you the breakdown of the speed. Well, so earlier they're going seven thousand. Now they can only go six hundred miles. Well, an hour? it said at times, but I, I'm assuming they're trying well, that, to. Oh, they weren't zipsorping yet. Well, the, no, they're definitely not zipsorping yet. They're just yet. fucking with these. Yeah, Air Force. They're guys. watching. They're being these a bunch guys. of flaps. Yeah, they're just so. flapping around. Uh, so when the F-94s landed, the UFOs were back on radar, almost as if they were taking precautions or perhaps just fucking with these guys. Mm. Um, so they, probably the latter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so these F-94s are scrambled. They're about freaking two clicks out, whatever the military term is. They're intercepting. Um, what do you call it? Darrell Revis? Yeah. They're Darrell Revison. Now, they get to these guys, and they just disappear. They can't see them. They threw their invisibility cloak on. Right. The Harry Potter, these motherfuckers. And then they get back, and boom, they're back on radar. Now, the radar guy, he sees them going same speed, and then boom, the UFO just disappears. He still sees the jet. Oop, they're off. Oop, they're back on. Yeah. That's essentially what's happening. Um, so I'm thinking, yeah, maybe they are just fucking with these guys. It's like they're using some sort of cloaking technology, perhaps. They might. Now, they might have gotten this from Harold Potter. Maybe not. We don't know yet. <laughs> this might have even been Harry himself up there. Playing some Quidditch. Oh, great theory. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Chasing the golden so, snitch around. So Lieutenant William Patterson, he was a wingman and was one of the only fighters in the air that saw the objects. And um, he stated that four white glows followed his jet and eventually ended up surrounding it before taking off in all directions. Hmm. They were shown on the Batwing? Pretty much. <laughs> now, July 27, 7.30 p.m. Eastern... Air Force, an Air Force lieutenant at Andrews Air Force Base saw a dark disc moving slowly northeast with an oscillating rolling motion. Now, the clouds were moving southeast at the time, and he lost visual as the object went into the clouds. On July 27th, 9 p.m. Eastern, Air Force personnel and others at National Airport saw a large round object reflecting sunlight, apparently hovering over the Capitol building. After about a minute, the object wavered and then shot straight up, disappearing from sight. Now, T-Bag, that's what I'm thinking is like some Independence Day type shit, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting the impression of. Okay, so now by July 28th to 29th, the papers... They start sniffing around. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, they know what's going on. They're getting a sniff of what's going on. Because, um, I, I mean, as we just saw, these things are seen from everywhere. People are seeing them on the ground. Pilots are reporting them in the air. Uh, these things are everywhere. So by, you know, the just next... Just like Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah, so by the next couple of days... So the papers, they, they've got these things in the headlines. Now, a United Press story from Washington, D.C., quoted that the Air Defense Command had ordered its jet pilots to pursue and, if necessary, shoot down UFOs sighted anywhere in the country. Mm. Now, this was reported in various international news service or INS stories on July 29th, 1952. Um, One example or one such story reported that, quote, jet pilots have been placed on 24-hour nationwide alert against the flying saucers with orders to shoot them down if they ignore orders to land. Oh, see, this is exactly what I was saying in the last episode, though. I bet you they sold the hell out of newspapers that day, because all it took was one nut job to go, oh my God, look what's in the newspaper, and everybody rushed around to that kid standing on the corner selling newspapers. Sold out. Now, okay, so do you think, though, that the newspapers are somewhat liable for printing? They should be, but look at the trash they post today. <laughs> okay, now now here's where I'm confused by this whole thing, okay? Obviously, they're saying that they've given orders to shoot them down. Um, if they ignore orders to land, so are these guys in the jet yelling at them like the police <laughs> on a fucking megaphone? <laughs> like, Roll down the window. Yeah, you get it right. Like, if you're going 500 plus miles an hour with this thing on your wing, you're not going to tell him, hey, fucking pull up. Like, like he's doing the signal to him, pull over. He's, he's already, already pulled over. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like, what, how, what orders to land? What is that? Are they trying to, maybe they're, are planes like CB radios where they can just, you know? Maybe they, maybe the radio tower is like trying to radio to them. Okay. Okay. That makes some sense. But now. it doesn't make sense if they're UFOs. <laughs> if they're they don't UFOs, have a fucking yeah. CB radio But on maybe board. they're just kind of, you know, panning out there saying, are, is anybody picking me up? You know? Is anybody out there? <laughs> yeah. Pull over. Actually, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. They're like. That's uh, pretty much what they did to them. <clears throat> They're like Major Tom, you know? Go on. They're just crying out for, for somebody to hear them. Are they stepping the through the door? Thing. What? Would you say they're stepping was, through the door? Oh, that was the deepest thing I've probably ever heard on this podcast. What? They're crying out. They're like, yeah, Major Tom, and they're Major Tom and us. Hey, that's what he was doing, man. Uh, mm-hmm. So July 29th, 1.30 to 5 a.m. Eastern, Unidentified targets are tracked by CAA radar 8 to 12 at a time, moving southeast in a stretch nearly 15 miles wide near Washington, D.C. Now, July 29th at 3 a.m. Eastern, Eastern Airlines pilot was radioed to check on radar targets. Reported seeing nothing. A CAA official said that the targets disappeared from the radar screen when the plane was in the area then came back on the radar once the plane had passed. So again, we're seeing this sort of cloaking. This They're fucking with these guys. They're fucking with them, you know? <laughs> now, July 29th, 2 p.m. Eastern, 
an Air Force pilot sighted three round white UFOs 10 miles southeast of Andrews Air Force Base, other UFOs tracked by ARTC radar during the afternoon. Now, after this, the objects truly did not return to Washington, and no one really, still to this day, or even back then, has any clue what these things were or what the hell they were doing there. Now, you promised me they're not going to show up in five days again, right? I promise you. That's the last time, buddy. All right, because, yeah, I was just thinking about this, too. Why D.C.? Like, what's so special about D.C.? They got to drop off those lizard people at the Capitol. Mm. So you're thinking these are reptilian ships. I'm just kidding. Now, as we said, the papers are reporting this stuff. Um, so the military, are, yeah. Right? So what does the military need to do? They need to snuff this stuff right out. You know, nip it in the bud. Is that the term? Yep. Yep. You know, they can't wind up with another Roswell incident on their hands. Am I right? Not for at least 20, fifty more years. You know. Yeah, so the sightings from the 26th to the 27th even led President Harry Truman to personally call Captain Ruppelt and ask for an explanation of the sightings. You remember him? This Did he send him a cap? <laughs> Caps, yeah. <laughs> now, you remember? This is the, yes, this is the guy they couldn't get a cab. Um, so he, this Ruppelt, he remembered the conversation he had with Captain James, and he told the president that the sightings may have been caused by temperature inversion. Now, do you guys, are you familiar with the term temperature inversion? You ever heard it before? I am now. Okay. Figured (laughs) you guys were not meteorologists. So this is basically when a layer of warm, moist air covers a layer of cool, dry air. Sounds like Rob's Friday night. So, you know, there's dry air on the ground and then moist air on top. And this condition can cause radar signals to bend and give false returns. And it's looking like a cool 73 degrees out there tonight, San Diego. (laughs) But, you know, this was still before any of the witnesses were interviewed or Blue Book had even conducted a formal investigation. So pretty much this guy's just trying to get Truman to shut the fuck up. He's like, yeah, Harry, it's a fucking temperature inversion. Must have been a temperature inversion, (laughs) Harry. And he doesn't want to look like an idiot, so he's just spouting out, you know, anything. Couldn't even get a fucking cab to go investigate. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he is pissed (laughs) off. Maybe he's botching the investigation, but he's saying basically, hey, temperature inversion, but I haven't done any interviews, and we haven't done any formal investigation. So reporters start flooding the Air Force with questions. Now, this led them to call the biggest press conference since World War II on July 29th. Now, the government story, this is the official story, so not surprisingly, the government's response was that the sightings were not space aliens, but simply a weather phenomenon known as temperature inversion. This is also, I guess, what plays into this is this idea that, like, lights from the ground sort of bounce off of clouds and moisture, and this can create the l- illusion from the ground that there are craft flying in the air. Mm. Mm. Sounds like horseshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the, pr- the press left the one-hour conference confused, but nonetheless convinced that these UFOs were no more than atmospheric phenomenon. Now, the press basically accepted this temperature inversion theory, and um, this is more or less where the story died. Mm. 
Now the radar operators. You remember these guys? Sure I do. I mean, and now these guys, imagine them. They're thinking, come on, guys. Come on. Um, Temperature inversions? Yeah, like these guys, obviously, really? it's their job to operate radars. They're saying that, hey, we're well aware of such things as temperature inversions and how this appears on radar. Also, are we forgetting the fact that these objects were visually confirmed by pilots, both civilian and military pilots? Oh, guess I did forget that. And these, uh, the pips on the radar. Pips or blips. <laughs> those are confirmed by numerous radar tracking stations. So what the hell is going on here? What this, the hell is out there zip-zorping around? Yeah, this also does not explain the sighting in the air by Lieutenant William Patterson, whose jet was surrounded by crafts. Must have been a damn temperature inversion, Sergeant. <laughs> That's what they're saying. So they're just treating these guys like idiots, just brushing them off. Now, the National Weather Bureau even further disproves the government statement, as well by stating in regards to temperature inversions... And this is a quote from the National Weather Bureau. They are saying, Such an inversion ordinarily would appear on a radar screen as a steady line rather than a single object, as were sighted on the airport radar scope. And wasn't it multiple? Exactly. Multiple pips, they're called. (laughs) So even now, even Project's Blue Book investigation, after they conducted one, dismissed the temperature inversion explanation, and the sightings remain listed in the unknown category. So what are we thinking here? I mean, we've got the the sightings. You know, we went through the eyewitness accounts. We went through the official government story. I mean, are we thinking the government's claims are pretty sus? Like, what are we thinking? I think they're very sus. Okay. And are we... And, Extremely. Okay. So, T-Bag, how about you? I feel like it's one of those situations where, like, if you didn't see it or experience it for yourself, you might be in denial. You know, like, if you don't believe in ghosts until you experience a ghost encounter, you're not going to experience a ghost. And, like, government's not going to run around around saying, like, oh, yep, there's aliens, people, freaking everybody out. Okay, but so then are you saying, basically, that all these radar guys and these pilots are just, like... Maybe they were seeing something like a phenomena in the sky that they couldn't explain and they were they just wrote it up, chalked it up to UFOs. Like maybe it was some sort of temperature inversion. I mean, Ooh. I've never seen that. We don't know how that behaves. Well, it seems like the government was thinking, hey, let's just come up with a logical explanation for this. You know, our radar guys and our pilots aren't going to be out there blabbing to the press about what they saw, so... Mm-hmm. If we just go ahead and, you know, kind of throw the fucking wool over their eyes, no one's going to think any lesser of it, you know? Okay, so the government, you're thinking, and let me know if I'm tracking here, the government knows something's up, but they just want to get the press off their backs? Yeah. Okay. They're like, we don't need, like you said earlier, we don't need another Roswell on our hands. <laughs> okay. okay. We don't need another uh, War of the Worlds going on here. Yeah. Now, it wasn't until 1969 that an Air Force scientific rec- Scientific report made it clear that inversion strong enough to create the effects with which General Samford credited them could not even exist in Earth's atmosphere. Perfect. 
So basically, these scientists are saying, hey, for a temperature inversion to come up that crystal clear on radar, it's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> but I must say, we will play devil's advocate here again. There are still those who agree with the government's explanations. Uh, two there always pro- is. Yeah. Now, two prominent <laughs> UFO skeptics, Dr. Donald Menzel, an astronomer at Harvard University, and Philip Klass, a senior editor for Aviation Week magazine, continue to argue in favor of the temperature inversion or mirage hypothesis. Mm, sounds like bullshit to me. Okay, so are we both? Are we all in agreement that we're thinking the temperature inversions was possibly just to get the press, just to get some slack from the press, some you know, just to get them to relax, put them on the back burner? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to take the word of the Air Force scientific report over two nut jobs. Okay, okay. Bingo. So, wait, wait, wait. So, you're saying um, the scientific report saying that the temperature inversions couldn't exist in Earth's atmosphere that strong? Yeah. I, okay. I, All right. Now, now let's get into some further um, sus behavior, as we'll call it, you know. Mm. Now, this one comes from the good old CIA. Cocaine import agency. Mm, so we know we can trust them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, now this stuff did not come out until pretty recently in docs obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. Um, but nonetheless, this stuff did come out. Now, the same day General Samford helped his, held his press conference, the wheels start turning at the Central Intelligence Agency. Now, a memo from Ralph Clark who was acting assistant director for scientific intelligence to the deputy director of intelligence stated in the past several weeks, a number of radar and visual sightings of unidentified aerial objects have been reported. Although the office has maintained a continuing review of such reputed sightings during the past three years, a special study group has been formed to review this subject to date. A few days later, a note was sent to Mr. Clark by Edward Taus, a segment of which read, So long as a series of reports remains unexplainable, interplanetary aspects of alien origin not being thoroughly excluded from consideration, caution requires that intelligence continue coverage of of the subject. So on September 24th, 1952, the CIA's Office of Scientific Intelligence issued a memo to Walter B. Smith, the CIA director. Mm. Uh, now, name. now, this memo more or less stated that the flying saucer situation and the public concern with the phenomena could have the potential for a mass hysteria and panic. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Teabag theory right there. Yeah, so the CIA interest led to a secret panel of five prominent scientists in January of 53. This became known as the Robertson Panel. And essentially, this was like a scientific panel on UFOs led by astrophysicist Dr. H.P. Robertson. Um, Also among them was Dr. Luis Alvarez, who would go on to receive the Nobel Prize for physics many years later. Um, for development of a hydrogen bubble chamber. Oh, we should get one of those. <laughs> also, Dr. Thorpe. Also known as a percolator. 
Also, Dr. Thornton Page of Johns Hopkins University and other top scientists at the time. Now, they basically spent four days examining the best UFO cases that had been collected by Project Blue Book, and the panel dismissed nearly all of the UFO cases it examined as not representing anything unusual or threatening to national security. Now, remember this. This is very important because this seems to be like the... uh, the M.O. of operation, like, as long as it was not a threat to national security, they kind of just didn't give a fuck about it. (laughs) Fuck it. You know? Um, So the conclusion of the Robertson panel would basically have a tremendous negative influence on all federal policy with UFOs for years to come, as the panel recommended in part... The National Security Agencies take immediate steps to strip the unidentified flying objects of the special status they have unfortunately acquired. These Air Force guys, this panel, or, you know, this is CIA, they're saying, hey, the Air Force and Project Blue Book need to spend less time analyzing and studying UFO reports and more time publicly debunking them. Um, So following the panel's report, Project Blue Book would rarely publicize any UFO case it had not labeled as solved. Uh, Unsolved cases were basically never mentioned by the Air Force. Now, see, that's sus to me right there, man. Now, why is this sus to you? I'd love to hear this. Because we're getting into the theories right now. I mean, they're saying don't, don't. It's like, uh, don't worry about the aliens. Just start figuring out how to tell people that this didn't happen. Exactly. Like, basically, the government's pretty much, I mean, this was this was the policy pretty much until fairly recently. I mean, we've seen with the Tic Tac and stuff coming out, like... It's also known as Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the government's MO on a lot of things. Mm. And they're saying, hey, this is no threat to national security. I mean, just like we talked about on our Foo Fighters episode, these, these um, craft or whatever you want to call them seem to be more observing them you know there was no threat um so they said hey look we don't give a fuck they're not a threat they're not bothering us we don't care and i feel like it became more or less um more or less focused on like the whole as we talked about mass panic the government basically shifted into trying to get the general public uninterested in ufos so that we wouldn't have a mass panic and like Russia or whoever couldn't flood us with like a, a fake UFO reporting, cause a panic and then attack is basically. It's like a, re- a reverse George Bush. Reverse George Bush. Yeah. Because you know, like when he said Saddam's got aluminum tubes and yellow cake, instead of trying to debunk that, he went and did something about it. You know what I'm saying? Picking up what I'm putting down. Mm, so you're saying it's like, well, I don't, I don't understand how it, I, I'm honestly confused by the whole analogy, if I'm being honest. We'll get into that later in the outline. <laughs> well, no, no, come on. You got to explain yourself now. I'm confused like, as look, to what, what you're if, talking about. How was this reverse of that? Like, Okay, so if George Bush had said, Saddam's got yellow cake and aluminum tubes, and the CIA would have been like, shut the fuck up, George. We don't want people knowing about this. Stop talking about that. Don't worry about that. 
Instead, we got the government here. Yeah. Now I don't know. Now you got me confused. Cut that all out. <laughs> no, no. You're it's confusing a, yourself. Yeah, I think you're confusing yeah. yourself. It's basically like the government's policy pretty much became how can we get the public uninterested in these things? Uh, you know, we don't know what they are, but who gives a fuck? Let's basically ignore these or, you know, we can study them secretly, but anyone who shows interest in UFOs will just vilify and make them look like a quack, you know? Unless it's a threat to national security. Yeah. Okay. I see. All right. All right. All right. Oh, uh, we don't understand this, so let's not waste our time trying to. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, and they were also, at the same time as that, they were also fearful that, like, I mean, you saw all these reports throughout the nation. They're like, hey, we don't want a, a widespread panic. Or they were fearing, because, you know, Cold War's just starting up, just brewing. Mm. So they're thinking, hey, maybe these Russians can flood us with some fake UFO reports we get a widespread panic. We need to like quell this in the media. We need to m- somehow make UFOs seem uninteresting to the general public. Am I right? So temperature inversions was the way they do that? <laughs> well, I mean, it worked. The story died. Hey, you take something cool and replace it with something boring and nerdy and that people can't understand. Yeah, it's all nerd talk. I don't understand it. Man, we should have looked into what happened recently after this. Like... Because I'm sure that there was like some bullshit news story that came out right after this to like take people's minds off of it. Oh, like, uh, well, I don't know if the mainstream media was like quite that controlled yet. Like it was like we talked about on Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. With the Not rule, as yellow. Yeah, with the rule of sevens and everything. Mm-hmm. Like they hadn't got a, a firm grasp like it is today. Um, but I mean, here, let's get into some theory. So, I mean, we've already kind of been talking about it, but it, you know, if it just was temperature inversions, which I think all of us are in agreement that it's not, why did the CIA all of a sudden gain interest, uh, much less create a whole panel to look at this stuff? Am I right? I'm thinking, uh, the high number in UFO reports in 1952 obviously disturbed the air force and the CIA. And they're thinking, Hey, our primary concern is national security, so that's why the CIA launched this panel, even though they just gave the temp- the um, Air Force gave the temperature inversion just to kind of get the press off the back. Now, this was pretty recently after Eisenhower signed a treaty with the Greys, right? Uh, no, that, that was uh, some years later, because wasn't Eisenhower president when he signed the treaty with the Greys? That's what I'm trying to remember. I think so. Like I said, I'm just curious as to why why they're so interested in Washington D.C. Like I've been there; it's not that great of a place. God bless our nation's capital. <laughs> yeah. What, what are these aliens interested in? Well, know? hey, they didn't land, so maybe they thought the same thing as you. Uninteresting place. Let's get the fuck out of here, <laughs> and let's go to fucking TGI no, Fridays. No signs of intelligent life. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so. All right, now now back to the CIA thing for a second, because I feel like there's more of a conspiracy there than in, like, the theories of what these things were. But let's say an enemy nation deliberately floods the, Uf- the U.S. with false UFO reports. Um, this could, in the CIA's mind, as we said, cause a panic and hysteria, um, maybe make us more susceptible to an attack. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, I think the CIA's primary concern was how do we solve the mass panic problem? 
we just debunk UFOs as a whole, uh, make them seem not important to the general public. And as we said, I mean, if this was the plan, it did seem to work for quite some time, right? Because as we said, I mean, until recently, Navy pilots weren't really reporting this stuff. I mean, we just seen the videos being released this year and we realized, oh, but remember the pilot went on like Rogan saying, yeah, it wasn't really like, you don't really say, oh yeah, I saw a fucking UFO today. Like you just kind of keep that shit to yourself, right? Yeah, but I feel like it's always kind of been that way. Exactly. After this sighting, that's kind of how the the CIA spun it to be taboo so that, because I mean, imagine if that wasn't the case and they were like, Hey, let's fucking throw everything we got at looking at these things. Hey guys, next time you see one, let (laughs) us know. All right. Yeah. Because sightings are very fringe and they were fringe for a long time, you know, still technically are, man. Maybe we're getting into theories, man. What it do? The CIA could have been involved in some serious cover up since then. Look at the 60s and 70s, all the fucking hippies. If people were like, oh, I saw a, a UFO, they'd be like, oh, it's just a drugged out hippie. 80s, you got rock and roll. and st- It's just a huge cover-up. They like 100% are involved <laughs> yeah, in that, dude. That is 100% what is happening. That's what I'm saying. We're making... Con- you're making connections for me here today. Yeah, dude, that is the CIA as a whole. I mean, we can do... Well, we could go down a very deep rabbit hole with that, bud. Yeah, and we've got an episode coming up on just that, as you were talking about, with like, especially with the CIA and... Get yourself the, on a list that way. And the hippie scene <laughs> and like music as a whole in the, uh, in the decade that followed this sighting exactly. I mean, think about it. This was when the CIA was at its like most powerful... They were doing fucking MK Ultra. They were dosing people with acid mm. not too long after this. And they were doing <laughs> fucking insane experiments. I mean, we've covered some of the fucking craziness the CIA is up to. I would not put that at all out of the realm of possibility. Now, let's get on to some theories about these aliens. So as you're saying, what, what, what the hell is uh, so interesting in D.C.? Well, who's president at the time? Well, clearly it's not Eisenhower. Yeah. Who was president before him? Harry. Harry S. Swinging Dick <laughs> Truman. Harry S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's president. Now, what is he remembered for? The Truman Show? <laughs> Anybody. Anybody got a reading on why? Hiroshima? Exactly. First human to use a nuclear bomb. Check out our Manhattan Project episode. Now, Truman... Is that true? Yeah. Man? It's true, man. I mean, he's the first... The U.S. Is the, are the, is the only country that's used an atomic bomb on other people. Okay. And Truman was president. Now, what do we say in our Manhattan Project, in our Roswell episode? What are aliens very interested in? Possibly our discovery of the atom bomb. And mentally challenged Russians. (laughs) Well, that's another theory. Um, But, you know, maybe these things are coming down. Make sure these fucking dumbass monkeys aren't blowing each other up. Yeah. Now, in this goddamn planet we built for them. Now, furthermore, on my theory on this, I'm thinking so 51. um, Not only had we already used the nuclear bomb, um, 1951, we're doing hydrogen bomb testing in the Pacific. Uh, now, this would lead to Operation Ivy, 
not the ska band. <laughs> um, but this was later, you know, in 1952, um, after these sightings, Operation Ivy was the first successful full-scale test of a multi-megaton hydrogen bomb, which was detonated on Eulaglab Island, we'll say, uh, yielding 10.4 megatons. That's almost 500 times the yield of the bomb dropped on Nagasaki. Jesus Christ. So we're fucking doing some crazy shit down here. Maybe these aliens are trying to... Like maybe they're monitoring and they they pinpointed DC as as the headquarters of these fucking crazy guys dropping all these bombs and they're like, hey, let's let's collect some intel on these guys. I mean, God only knows what they were doing. It seems to me. Now this is my whole grand theory, and then and then you guys can kind of throw in your two cents. But fifty two, it's not too long after World War Two. Now, Foo Fighters, we talked about those. Listen to that episode. Mm. These sightings specifically seem to be very similar to Foo Fighters. They seem to be almost like a probe or like a a remote. Like, they're not like a full-on UFO disc with aliens inside of them. Like, there's no sightings of abduction or there's no cases of abductions in this. There's no sightings of alien beings driving the craft. Maybe it's some sort of, like, probe-type thing that was sent down here to monitor us. Like an observation mission? Yeah. Just and maybe... Sweep in, get that intel, sweep out? Yeah, and I mean, we already zip had... Zipsorb out of there? Yeah, zipsorb out of there. <laughs> and we already had the Greys crash at Roswell, so I'm thinking maybe this is like another species altogether. It's a recon mm. mission, boys. But yes, essentially, that's what I'm getting at. I think maybe these sightings specifically were some sort of recon mission, some sort of probe mission... Um, you know, who knows? It could have been maybe the Greys or the Reptilians just monitoring, like a little baby monitor they send down every couple decades, you know? Um, baby monitor. <laughs> yeah, like they're just Make setting sure it down. Alive. Make sure we're Doing not fucking okay. anything up. Um, but I guess that doesn't really make sense if Reptilians are, like, among us currently. A lot of stuff okay, doesn't well, make sense. But, hey, who knows? What What are you thinking, T-Bag? Well, I was just watching y'all ever seen the movie Can of Worms, Disney Channel. I have. I was just watching it the other night, man. A whole bunch of different species came down to try and help out this one boy. Maybe Mike Pilsner is in D.C. in 52 asking for help. Boom, all these different alien species swoop in. Mike Posner? Yeah. How do you think he got so good at music? All right. Um Aliens. Okay, now do we have any? So, what about like as you were saying, T-Bag, Like, what do the different colors of the ships mean? Do we have any theories on that? I mean, I'm thinking maybe if they are a probe, maybe they're different types of probe. Maybe the different colors are from different races. Mm. So you know, maybe the white probes are from like some other race. Maybe the orange ones are from a different race. Who knows? Or maybe it's just, again, some sort of different model probe, um, some sort of, um, you know, maybe it just appears different to different people. Because that is another theory that possibly what you could see as one thing, Rob could see as something else. Because everybody's different, correct? Correct. That is true. So, I mean, what are we thinking there? Do we got any, any other ideas there? No, but if anybody does have something, I'll be very curious to hear it. I'll tell you one thing, it wasn't no damn temperature inversions. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so um, now, Rob, do, do, this is your theory here. Do you want to kind of go off on this? I'll go off on it for a bit. I mean, my main spiel is just that I'm definitely not buying what they're putting out with the temperature inversion thing. Okay, who is? The uh, two plausible theories that I've concluded is that it's either something extraterrestrial or it's the Russians, you know, trying to do some recon mission on us because DC. But Mm. if it was Russians, then they would be way further along with their research and development than they were in 52 by now. Mm -hmm. So that's out of the question. Now, how about the Chinese? I I just don't think that it's anything of this world because if it was, then we would see some way crazier shit going on now, which is like, how many years has it been since then? 70. Yeah. Like think of if they were that advanced in the 50s, think of how crazy their technology would be now. It's like they just sat idle for 70 years. We're like, (laughs) yeah, we'll just, they'll just think it's UFOs. Well, maybe they're like Orson Welles. They just had one great idea, and then, mm. and then they killed that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just based on what the Air Force pilots and radar technicians all saw or, you know, saw on radar versus what actual scientists said, this is how an inversion would show up on radar, which obviously that's not the case. I mean, I didn't see the fucking pips or anything myself, but... <laughs> I mean, but I mean, these are credible people. We have like majors um, in the Air Force, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to lie. Like, oh, hey, (laughs) uh, just saw some UFOs like whiz by me at fucking a thousand miles per hour. And especially back then, where it's not like it's not like today, where yes, there's people that are in UFOs for the money, you know. Like people will come out and make a bullshit abduction story or something for like you know to. Have their fifteen minutes of fame, you know, get yeah. get their face in the paper, something like that. Yeah, but you never heard anything from these guys since, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, maybe a couple of them. I mean, yeah, maybe some ask. of them have gone on to make their way in the UFO community, but it, but I'm saying back then it wasn't like that. They couldn't just be like, "Oh, hey, we saw this," and then they're gonna start getting paid for yeah. it, making books. That was it. Wasn't popular like it is today. Yeah, but basically what I'm saying is obviously this was uh, something that neither us nor the government knows how to explain, so they just chalk it up to some bullshit to get us off scientific story that doesn't uh-huh. even uh-huh. hold up but, you if know, you actually researched it. <laughs> like we did. Yeah. You get to the <laughs> bottom of it. Although we still don't... Um, We're still not fully to the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> so About a glass half full type of a deal. Yeah, now now teabag, how about you? You got any any other theories? Anything you want to spout out here? No, man, because now I'm so focused. I, I'm I'm excited to do this CIA episode because I think they really don't want us to know what's out there, which is the truth. Okay, now it's not going to be a full CIA episode. Maybe we can do that in the future. We could put together like a big CIA, like history of the CIA. That'd be kind of cool. Um, But this is going to be just, as you were saying, kind of a small piece of, like, CIA involved in, like, some hippie-type shit. (laughs) And we'll definitely have to do an MKUltra episode. That's more CIA fuckery for you. Um, But, you know, what do we got TLDL? Sum us up here. TLDL, there were some strange, unidentifiable objects hovering around, flying around, zip-zopping around D.C., 
And the government didn't want people to talk about it. The truth is out there. Yeah, so, um, you know, if you have any theories of your own or, you know, maybe, hey, look into this one. Um, do some research. Let us know what you guys think. If you put it, if you connect any dots together, we love hearing from you guys. And if you want further readings on this stuff, I want to cite um, for the research on this one, uh, alienuforesearch.com, UFOs over DC, uh, the UFO briefing document, the best available evidence by Don Berliner and crystallinks.com 1952 washington ufo incident um so there you have it guys i mean that's what we got there uh and on that hey guys uh thanks again for listening as always feel free to hit us up on instagram podcast from outer space uh check out our web store and uh links to all the episodes podcast from outer space.com and uh if you feel like shooting us an email it's going to be podcast from outer space at gmail.com. Also, thanks again for our June charity supporters. Uh, we were able to donate our earnings from the shop uh, in the month of June to some great causes. Yeah, and uh, shout out to um, those that have requested episodes. I know we've got a couple of those that came in. Uh, we're working on a few scheduled episodes that we had coming up this summer. And then... Um, We'll start tackling those puppies. Uh, so thank you guys so much, and um, stay safe out there, everybody. Yeah, stay safe. Uh, keep up the love, and so long, and thanks for all the fish. <laughs>